And we are... <laughs> You're supposed to say live, dude. And oh, we are live. live. We are live. We're live. <laughs> live. And by live, we mean pre-recorded. That's right. That's right. This is all pre-recorded. None of this is actually live. But yeah. we are actually live in each other right now. Yeah. So, yeah. This is this is real life, baby, and you gotta own it. I am particularly excited about this particular episode because it's been a while. It's been a long time. Um, you know, not, no one on here knows this, but Justin's actually been in an undisclosed location for the last <laughs> five months with absolutely terrible internet. Godforsaken internet. That's right. And if we told you where he was, we'd have to kill you. <laughs> so don't want to do that. Um, we, we try to threaten our viewers as little as possible. That's true. That's true. That's why we're not going to tell you. But um, really excited about this one. Let's go ahead and get started. We are in Genesis 25, New American Standard Bible, NASB. Let's get it on. Abraham's death. Verse 1, chapter 25. Now Abraham took another wife whose name was... Keturah. She bore to him Zimran, Jokshan, Midian, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Joshkan, Jokshan, fathered Sheba and Dedan, and the sons of Dedan were Azarim, Latushim, and Le-u-m-m. The sons of Midian were Epha, Epher, <laughs> Hanak, Abida, and Elda'a. All of these were the sons of Keturah. Now Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac, but to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts while he was still living and sent them away from his son Isaac eastward to the land of the east. First of all, you owned those names. I did. Um, yeah. I did own those names. So, yeah, we see here um, Abraham's getting ready to, to close some things out. And so he transfers what I see is transferring the blessing to Isaac. Um, and he wants to guide Isaac's inheritance in that sense of, uh, in reference to the covenant that was made, uh, that God made with Abraham, um, the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, ultimately. So he sent the other sons away, right, after he, he gave Isaac certain things while he was still alive. Yeah, he's creating some separation, it looks like, from Isaac and the rest of his sons, uh, because the, the ultimate blessing is on Isaac. And so, great. All right, verse 7. You want to... Uh... Let's do it. Yeah. Verse 7. These are all the years of Abraham's life that he lived, 175 years. Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and satisfied with life, and he was gathered to his people. Then his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Mechpelah, 
in the field of Ephron, the son of Zahor the Hittite, facing Mamre, the field which Abraham purchased from the sons of Heth. There Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah. It came about after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac lived by Beer Lahoy Roy. So we see here that Abraham um, buried, or I, Abraham was buried in the same cave that he he had purchased for Sarah. Um, and kind of we're, we're we're closing out Abraham's life here, and we see. Um, there are some interesting numbers here. So Sarah died when Abraham was 138. And uh, we see that Abraham died when he was 175. But it appears that um, Isaac's children were born when Abraham was 160 years old. And so it's not clear in the biblical text, did Abraham meet it, you know, his grandsons? Um, we don't know. <clears throat> We don't know, but just in kind of closing out Abraham's life, um, Abraham was a, a, an important person uh, in the Old Testament, clearly, and Abraham is referenced in the, the New Testament as well. Uh, Paul talks about him a number of places, um, and even just real quick, it, it, in Romans 4, um, we have this, for this reason it is by faith in order that you may be in accordance with grace. So the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Um, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. So we see um, this, how significant this, this promise was that God made with, with Abraham um, and then we see also Paul reference in Galatians chapter three, just as Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Uh, therefore, recognize that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. And so uh, you, one of the things that I've heard that there has been confusion about, about some people believe that or have this theory that um, salvation came through different means in the Old Testament, and that's just not accurate. It's, it's clear here. Um, it was always about faith, you know, just as Galatians 3.6 says here, just as Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So um, Abraham had faith. It was always faith that, that saved you. Um, we know that they had uh, ultimately or eventually they had the Mosaic Law, which was a, a, a system um, that was a structure for fellowship with God, but it was always about faith. And then I just want to close out the references to Abraham with Hebrews chapter 11. So Hebrews chapter 11 is the big, it's the, the faith chapter, right? In the new, in the new Testament, um, this is really hall of faith as they call it. So where it references a lot of, uh, godly people and kind of what they, uh, what, what, what was notable about them. And so, um, we see here Hebrews eleven eight by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he left not knowing where he was going. Um, and it just it goes on to talk a lot about Abraham, Sarah and um, and, and, and more people. But uh, just as we're closing out this section, because Abraham has has died in this chapter, um, just wanted to make some references on how important 
the life of Abraham was and how his faith, uh, what kind of impact that his faith had on history. Absolutely. And uh, I believe Isaac was the beneficiary of that faith, as we can see in verse 11. <laughs> so, um, you know, if Abraham maybe didn't have that same amount of faith or didn't have faith, then would, have Isaac, would Isaac have received that bless, blessing? You could always say, you know, what ifs, but I do think the decisions of parents directly have an impact on their the, de the decisions that their children ultimately have, can have a big impact on that. Another thing I'd like to point out with this particular section is verse 7. These are all the years of Abraham's life that he lived 175 years. Now verse 8, Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and satisfied with life. I think that is something that is a very important goal that I think we should all have, right? Because I think we're all getting closer and closer to a mortal end. Um, and we're all mortal, of course, so we're all getting older and we're all eventually going to die. And so when you're 175 years old, Justin, don't you want to be satisfied with life? I better be. So, so do I. And um, the decisions I think you make today are going to ultimately determine whether you are satisfied with life at a ripe old age. You're going to look back at your life and be like, hey, did I do what I set out to do? Did I do things that were God honoring or did I do things that were yourself honoring? So um, I look at Abraham as somebody that I would ultimately admire and you know, would, would, want, would want and expect to have that same feeling at his age, assuming, uh, assuming I make the right decisions today. So definitely encourage everyone to work towards that goal in a sense. I think that's a great point, man. Like if, you know, for those who have maybe spent time in a nursing home or spent time with uh, elderly family members, this idea of kind of, you know, your, your last stretch of life, um, thinking about what you could have done or the decisions you made um, is very heavy. And so I agree with you. It, it, it's a big deal. Um, like you said, we're all going to get there. I mean, hopefully, but best case scenario, we're all going to get there. Right? right. So it's the idea that, uh, you know, when you become elderly or ripe old age and you're sitting in bed, it, it's, it's a terrible thing. Um, I could say this, it's a terrible thing to watch someone spend, uh, you know, maybe the last portion of their, their life, not in great health and bed or whatever, regretting their decisions and now they're too old to make the changes um or the changes are i mean the situation's already set in stone and so it's a really big deal that i think uh, a lot of us young people don't think about but you're right in reflecting on abraham and what the bible says about him here um this is a big deal 
and everyone's at some point is going to realize what a big deal it is. Right. So absolutely. I think anybody can think back five years ago and be like, wow, five years just went by pretty quick. So time flies. You'll be old before you know it. <sighs> and you'll look yep. like me and Justin and it's not a pretty <laughs> sight. Um, so the moral of the story is don't be an idiot. <laughs> that's right. Make good choices. <laughs> that's true. That's a great summary of this section. Um, one more thing to go back a little bit. Forgot to mention this. Keturah is possibly also Hagar. So according to Jewish tradition, Keturah is actually Hagar and that Abraham, after he sent Hagar away later on, married Hagar and bore further sons through her. So that's possible. That is the view of some Christian scholars as well. So keep that in mind. Alrighty, verse 12, descendants of Ishmael. Now these are the records of the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's slave woman, bore to Abraham. And these are the names of the sons of Ishmael by their names in the order of their birth. Nebaioth, the firstborn of Ishmael. Kedar, Adbil, Mibsam, Mishma, Duma, Masa, Hadad, Tima, Jeter, Naphish, and Kedima. These are the sons of Ishmael, and these are their names by their villages and by their camps. Twelve princes according to their tribes. These are the years of the life of Ishmael. 137 years and he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people they settled from Havila to Shur which is east of Egypt going toward Assyria he settled in defiance of all his relatives defiance what did uh what was the prophecy of of Ishmael exactly Justin do you recall yeah, that he would be a wild donkey of a man. It's yeah. kind of for the uh, the correct version, the the softer version. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, <laughs> and the, everyone's fists will be against his, or everyone's something like that will be against him, and he will be against them. Right. So it sounds like he was he was a bit of uh, you know, it sounds like he didn't maybe live in harmony. With everybody, um, yeah. according to the Bible. Now, I think, you know, this whole lineage um, fulfills some prophecy as well, right? Um, not only his defiance, but some of the other prophecy um, about Ishmael. So, in reference to the what you just said, Justin... I think uh, identifying scripture would be important here. Genesis 16, 
Verse 11, the angel of the Lord said to her further, behold, you are pregnant and you'll give birth to a son and you shall name him Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction, but he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him and he will live in defiance of all his brothers. One thing to point out with Ishmael and Hagar, this is extremely, extremely important to understand, especially in regards to the second largest religion on the planet, and that is Islam. Islam has a following of estimates somewhere between 1.6 billion and 2 billion people. And the Islamic tradition is that Muhammad is a descendant of Ishmael. And so Muslims believe that um, some of the things that the Bible says that Isaac participated in, actually, they believe that Ishmael actually participated in those activities. Now, if you read the verses in the Bible, it's extremely clear that Isaac um, participated in those activities. One of those activities is in chapter 22, in which Abraham takes Isaac up to the mountain and sacrifices him. Or doesn't sacrifice him, but is, is called by God to ultimately sacrifice his one and only son. Muslims ultimately believe that Isaac was not, in fact, taken up to the mountain to be sacrificed by Abraham, but that was actually, in fact, Ishmael. Okay, and so that's a really, that's a really big deal. Muslims see Ishmael as having a higher position, ultimately, as Isaac, whereas Christians believe that Isaac, according to the Bible, Jews and Christians for that matter, that Isaac was given the honored position of having the blessing because ultimately Abraham had Isaac through his wife, Sarah, whereas Hagar was actually the slave of Sarah and so did not hold that honored position. So anyways, what's the point here? The point is ultimately that um, it's very clear in the Bible that Isaac was taken up to the mountain and Ishmael is this 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 Ishmael in Genesis is a very important important very important history for Muslims super super big deal cannot stress that enough and one of their two major holidays i would i would think about it like this if you're a christian watching this think of christmas and easter right those are the big big boys on our calendar if you're not celebrating those you need to get in line well for muslims <laughs> the two big ones one of those is id al adha what are you celebrating with id al adha it's a great question i'm glad i asked one more thing, actually, of the two major holidays, it's my understanding that Id al-Adha is actually considered the holier of the two major holidays. So I don't, for Christians, I think probably the holier one, the more important one, probably be Easter, you know, 
So this is this is more like Easter, right? If we're creating a comparison, okay? For, or, for or, Muslims. Or Resurrection Sunday. Or Resurrection Sunday. Thank you. Okay. So Id al-Adha. This holiday honors the willingness of Abraham to sacrifice his son, wait for it, Ishmael, as an act of obedience to God's command. Let me read that again. It honors the willingness of Abraham to sacrifice his son Ishmael as an act of obedience to God's command. Well, you might be a little bit confused. Wasn't Isaac sacrifice wasn't Isaac the one that was taken up the mountain to be sacrificed according to God's command? The answer to that question is yes, and the Bible's very clear on that. Very 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 clear. If you go to Genesis 22, Isaac's name is mentioned 5 times as to being the one that was taken up to the mountain to be sacrificed. Okay? Now, Muslims will say ultimately that the one they'll they'll say that the one and only son, the mention of the one and only son has to refer to Ishmael because Abraham had Ishmael first, and that was the only time that Abraham only had one and only son. But it doesn't make sense because the chapter 22 says Isaac over and over and over again. It's so clear. It beats that to death that Isaac was the ulti- ultimately the one that was taken up onto that mountain. Now that Isaac received the blessing as well. Um, it's actually mentioned in verse 20 of chapter 17 as for ishmael i have heard you behold i will bless him and make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly he shall father 12 princes and i will make him into a great nation but i will establish my covenant with isaac whom sarah will bear to you at this season next year when he finished talking with him god went up from abraham So we also see another clear verse that specifically mentions Isaac as receiving the blessing. So there's no confusion in the Old Testament about who received the blessing, who was taken up to the mountain. And so just want to make, you know, if you have any Muslim friends, because if you have any Muslim friends, you know, they're absolutely lovely and very, very nice and um, pleasant and wonderful people. If you don't know any Muslims, you might not know that. Um, but if you know some, you'll, you'll know that. And so if you ever want to, if you ever want to discuss this with them and, you know, you want to learn a little bit more about where Islam kind of starts some of its roots from, it starts really from Ishmael and then funnels down through descendants all the way to Muhammad. Anyways, with that said, I will cede my time to Justin. Hopefully I didn't beat this too much to death. Justin, what are your thoughts? Do you have any thoughts on this section? I thought that information was super valuable. Thank you. Thank yes. you. And, and so one of the things um, here on Two Bros Bible Study, we're very fortunate to have um, our very own uh, what is it? Uh, Muslim researcher Henry 
Henry has actually read the whole Quran. He has started reading the Hadith. (laughs) (laughs) And so he has done a lot of research um, in the area of Islam and uh, just interacting uh, from a biblical worldview, interacting with Muslims. And so this was a great opportunity in the text for him to get to address this. Um, So this was really cool. This is just, and this is just a tiny bit of information that uh, he's experienced in in learning and and being able to talk about. But yeah, that was great, man. I liked it. More, more. I want to hear more about how great I am. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But no, I I agree with, um, I've had a chance to to make some Muslim friends. And I agree that uh, a buddy that I made, very, um, he shared the importance in my convictions about morality. And so I would say that in my interactions with him, it was, it was, uh, it was good in the sense that uh, he, he cares about the fact that God is a holy God and that sin is a big deal. And so I appreciate that about Muslims and, uh, you know, Muslims have, uh, have it wrong though, in their information about the, the Quran and who Jesus is and, and, and so I wish that, um, you know, any, any Muslim listening to this would, would put his faith in Christ. Um, you of know. course. And yeah. ba- based on the, what I believe to be the clear evidence pointing to the truth of the Bible, both and Old and New Testament, which we haven't gotten to yet. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. We love our Muslim brothers and sisters and definitely enjoy dialoguing with them just because we might disagree doesn't mean we can't be friends and hang out and have a good time. Uh, would love to give you a little virtual bear hug right now. So bring it in, bring it in. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, Justin, let's move on from this. Let's move on to the, let's keep this going. Let's keep, let's let's keep keep this this puppy rolling. Okay. So now we're getting into verse 19. Now, these are the records of the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. And the Lord answered him, and his wife Rebekah conceived. But the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is so, why am I in this condition? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples will be separated from your body, and the one people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. First of all, I just want to talk about that it's all Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel all struggled with with barrenness, but kind of one of the unique things here is that Isaac's prayer um, so in, in verse 21, Isaac's prayer resolved that barrenness and she conceived, but it wasn't just resolved. It was double resolved twins, twins, Henry, twins, 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 twins Henry, twins, <laughs> twins, twins. Yeah. So it was double resolved. But one of the things that really gets my attention is, um, verse 23, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, right? So the idea there's two nations. So it's not just about two people. There's, you know, God was looking to the descendants that would come. But the point is, if you read this verse and you think 
the there's a the babies inside the womb are a clump of cells their, their life isn't valuable things like that this verse clears that all up two nations are in your womb um, seems I mean, really clear to me you know yeah. i mean it doesn't say there's two clumps of cells in your womb you know sounds sounds like there was a little more value put on the human lives in that womb than just a clump of cells couldn't agree more right uh, this is kind of the initial part of when we talk about um, the, the, the issue of abortion. And so this is, uh, to, to me and Henry, this is a very serious topic. This is a very serious issue. And I'm going to just take a second to, to talk about why um, and just talk about how important this is to, to God. And, and that's why it's important to me and Henry. So, just real quick, I, I, I want to back up, and I've studied um, just in, in different times when I've studied suffering theology, I've studied about the topic of genocides, and genocides are, it, it's one of the difficult things, um, just as far as in, intellectually, not emotionally, is kind of like, well, what's that number? How many people have to die in order for it to be called, considered a genocide? And so that's that number. There isn't a specific number. Um, but one of the things is that millions of people, um, I mean, a huge number, over millions of people have been killed through abortion. And so I don't have all the stats here, but in 2011, I know that that's nine, almost 10 years ago. But in 2011, over a million people in the U.S. were killed through abortion. And when you read about abortion and kind of what, how those babies are killed. It's actually, there's a mirror between when I was reading about how the babies are killed and the genocides where people are tortured to death. There's this very, uh, just scary similarity. And so there, it's a huge problem. And I want to talk about, it's not just this one verse that I'm taking out of context to potentially fit a, a political perspective. Um, this is a this is a life and death issue, not not something that we're trying to go political with. But Proverbs six uh, verses sixteen through seventeen, there are six things with the Lord which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to Him: haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and ha- hands that shed innocent blood. And you know something to to go with that that verse that reminds me of so. This month, so at the time of the recording of this, it's December 2020. So this month, December 2020, um, abortion was legalized in in Buenos Aires, Argentina, or maybe just in Argentina altogether. And I saw, um, or, or there were some new laws. I, I haven't researched it uh, extensively, but I watched. I was watching some videos online, and so they showed the footage. Of, of there was a crowd gathering in Buenos Aires. And when the final decision came down, it showed the crowd jumping up and down, screaming for joy, tears of joy. And if you had been watching this, right? Like if you had watched this, this would almost be a video that would be shown if like maybe there was your, your country was at war and you just found out the war was over and you found out your, your loved ones were coming back home. Right. Like that was the kind of reaction that I would think you'd be seeing. But this was the kind of reaction that you saw when a government told its people, you're now allowed to kill your baby. 
Um, and so, you know, this goes on to just talk uh, to, to this is clear evidence of the, the depravity of the world that we live in. Um, when we're seeing tears of joy and jumping celebration that a country has the right to kill its children. Right. <clears throat> yeah. If you haven't seen, a, I think people don't understand what abortion actually is. Um, if you haven't done any research on this, you know, uh, just type it in um, to YouTube. You can find tons of information that's like, hey, what is an abortion exactly? Mm -hmm. It's pretty much the most gruesome thing you could possibly mm -hmm. come up with. The idea of these women who were struggling to have a baby, and this also connects with, um, I'm sure many of us have known mothers who have lost their baby in a miscarriage um, and how devastated they are. And so the idea, the argument that it's just a clump of cells is not actually the argument that the leading uh, pro-abortion people use anymore. Um, that's it. So when people say it's just a clump of cells, they're showing that they're ignorant and they haven't done the research that Henry was talking about. And so, um, look, human life is valuable. It's, it, it's not, uh, the, the baby inside is not a clump of cells. And if you look at the history of, of Planned Parenthood, it was actually started by, by Margaret Sanger uh, in 1922. And she uh, was an extremely racist person who actually put them, uh, she started the Planned Parenthoods in areas uh, where, where people of her, like people of other races were living. That way she could target them. And she has lots of, you, you can find her quotes online, but so, so she calls uh, non-white people, human weeds, reckless breeders, spawning human beings who never should have been born. So these are the origins. The, this is the origin and motive of Planned Parenthood. Um, and so uh, Mar Margaret Singer, like I said, developed this. And then um, this is clearly in, in contradiction with the Bible. So just in Psalm 139, uh, verses 13 through 16, this is a, a Psalm of King David. He says, for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. So, uh, you know, the, 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 the baby in the womb has uh, a heartbeat very early on. And uh, the only difference between the, the, the baby and the womb is just uh, size development and dependence. And so it, it's, this is a huge issue with our culture, with the American culture. Uh, obviously, it's a huge issue that's spreading to other countries as well. Mm. And so th this is a very big deal. Um, and this is something that we should, as believers, as Christians, want to be very clear about so that we can prevent the death of as many people as possible. Um, this is, you know, when you really start to research this topic, look into this, and how many people are killed 
um, just, just, just thoughtlessly. It, it's, it's, it's astounding and it's, it's very difficult. It's a, it's, I feel comfortable saying it's a murder in which the reason is convenience, you know, it's like, Hey, I just don't, it, it's an inconvenience essentially. I'll also add, you know, um, I think there's, uh, people that are, um, they don't agree with me and Justin and, um, you know, just because someone has had an abortion, uh, doesn't, um, still they're, they're still loved and valued by God. They, they made a mistake that they shouldn't have made. However, the decision they made was a bad and wrong decision and something we should absolutely disagree with, but we should still love and, you know, bring them in and give them nice big hugs regardless. Yeah. So anyone who has participated in an abortion, the, the idea is that they should, should, should repent of that sin and, and put their faith in Christ mm. and that uh, there's no sin that we can commit um, that would hinder us from putting our faith in Christ and being saved. Um, but the, we need to, to turn from our sin and, and trust Christ. That's right. Definitely repent, you know? Yeah. And then just looking at the academic side of this as well, the, the two nations are actually Israel and Edom. Um, so Edom is the nation that would come from uh, Esau. And so we read more about Edom in the book of Obadiah. Uh, they unfortunately ended up becoming enemies of Israel, and uh, so they're they're referenced in uh, in that book, uh, the the Edomites, and uh, they actually it, it talks about where they lived and and kind of how they built up a fortress and the, the the cliffs there. So that was uh, what God is prophesying or, or talking about here when He talks about Jacob and Esau and the two nations Israel and Edom that would come, and we see something interesting that they struggled with each other inside the womb. Um, but as we see God's promises, we going to come through Jacob. Yeah. So when her days leading to the delivery were at an end, behold, there were twins in her womb. Now the first came out red all over like a hairy garment. And they named him Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding on to Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when she gave birth to them. Yeah, so it's, it's something interesting. In Hebrew, the, word, the name Jacob is actually a play on words uh, to the word heel. And so it sounds very similar. Um, so that's, so it's, a, that's an interesting point, right? I would, I would, yeah, and I would also just point out, um, it's super important to remember the fact that Esau was born first and Jacob was born second. So remember that as we come along into this next couple of sections good call it's relevant it's extremely relevant you want to read 27 yep verse 27 when the boys grew up esau became a skillful hunter a man of the field but jacob was a civilized man living in tents 
Now, Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game, but Rebecca loved Jacob. When Jacob had cooked a stew one day, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, please let me have a mouthful of that red stuff there, for I am exhausted. Therefore, he was called Edom by name. But Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So of what use then is the birthright to me? And Jacob said, first swear to me. So he swore on oath to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and got up and went out his way. So Esau despised his birthright. So we see um, from just that Esau was outwardly aggressive, uh, just in obviously being a hunter and all those things. And then we see Jacob as maybe more of a, a quiet strategic type. Um, but there was some sort of competition, it appears, just with the idea that Isaac kind of favored Esau and Rebecca kind of favored Jacob. And right. We got massive favoritism here, yes, guys. We- this is big time, massive favoritism. I mean, that's, you know, I think parents are humans, people. They're humans, people, everybody. <laughs> no, parents are people too. <laughs> parents are people too. They make mistakes. And I think this was clearly a mistake, right? Showing a um, particular specialized love towards one child over another. But it also makes sense, right? I mean, any human being on this planet is going to have more fun hanging out with someone that has more in, has a similar interest as them. So it sounds like Esau and his father had a similar interest, whereas Jacob and his mother had similar interest. So we see that the early, uh, the fathers here, the fathers of the faith, kind of had this extra spiritual ble- blessing that they gave to their sons. Um, and it does have supernatural value. Um, but, but in that, there's actually a verse in Hebrews that addresses um, this and that I wanted to, to reference real quick. So Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 15, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and by it may become defiled that there be no sexual, sexually immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single, single meal. For you know that even afterward, when he had wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought for it with tears. So we know that the, the covenant, we know that ultimately Jacob was going to be the one who received this birthright and this covenant because that's what God had planned. But we still see here that, that Jacob went about it through deceptive ways of manipulation, and he went about it the wrong way. Um, and so, you know, as for us, God, God's sovereignty, um, because God's sovereignty exists and because we can trust him, we shouldn't ever try to go about helping or serving God or, or doing anything through deception and manipulation um, in, in a way that hurts our testimony um, or, you know, in a way that compromises biblical morality 
in order to accomplish or, or gain something that we want to gain. Yeah, and I did a little research on the word birthright, and it seems here to identify, because later on we're going to see that um, Jacob takes two things away from his brother Esau. One being his birthright, which we see here. The second one is going to come later on. But according to my research, birthright seems to indicate both position as the, the leader of the family and also inheritance. And so Deuteronomy 21.17 states that he was also entitled to a double portion of the paternal inheritance. So it sounds like there was, you know, other, there was other benefits, not just leadership of the of the family, but also it seemed like more inheritance as well. You know, we got Exaggeration City on our hands here. Um, it is just, you know, the Mecca of exaggeration. Okay. Um, <laughs> mecca being a Muslim reference, by the way. Shout out to all my Muslim bros and sisters. Um, the, <laughs> the, um, the exaggeration comes when he's, when Esau says in verse 32, Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So of what use then is, then is the birthright to me. And so Esau's basically saying he's about to die. I mean, how many times have we all said that, that like we're starving, you know, like who, like we're actually starving. Listen, there's, there's people that are actually starving on this planet, but I think there's a lot of people who use that term very, I would say liberally and just like to just say, Hey, I'm starving. I mean, could Esau, Esau couldn't have waited a couple extra hours to go to his mom, for his mom to make him a meal. I'm sure he could have. I mean, Jesus didn't eat anything for 40 days, fasted for 40 days. I'm pretty sure he could have waited a few hours or a few minutes for you know, mom, his, his mama to put some macaroni and cheese in the microwave and heat that up, you know? I agree, man. I agree. So Henry looks like he's starving, but he's not. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is true. And the camera actually puts on 10 pounds. So <laughs> it's really bad. Okay. Um, so yeah. And I would add with regards to this exaggeration, you know, I think, I think this is a great representation of how fickle we can be or how, ex how much exaggeration we can all have in our own lives and how a small temptation can lead us down to a road that, you know, we don't necessarily want to go down on, down to, you know, it's, it's crazy. I mean, basically he was tempted with food. And he's up selling his birthright. I mean, how often, I mean, we're looking at Esau like, that's the dumbest thing you could do. Why in the world would you do that? I think we all do that all the time. You know what I mean? Every day, right? Who on, who listening to this or amongst us right here could say that we haven't succumbed to short, very, very short-term gratification at a long-term detriment to our lives? We all do that. We all do that regular on a regular basis, right? Does anyone here eat any garbage food? You know that's terrible for them. Yeah, exactly. You know it happens to all of us. 
Um, who here doesn't, you know, succumb to short, succumb to say, oh, I have to have, I have to have this. And then ultimately, you know, you're basically shooting yourself in the foot long term. So just keep keep this in perspective that we're really looking at ourselves when we're looking at Esau. I mean, Esau's just all of us, you know. I mean, in terms of how how fickle we can be, how short sighted we can be when making the decision between the choice between right and wrong, because something looks desirable. Adam and Eve did it, you know, with the apple, right? It looked good to eat. They ate it, and look look where that led us. So, yeah, it's kind of my final thoughts here. Jay Hizzy. <laughs> yeah, so just my, my closing application and, and thoughts for this chapter is that it, it offers a lot of encouragement. I know I've talked to believers before who mentioned that if they could just hear God audibly or, or certain things like that, that they feel like life would be easier. But we see that Abraham still has to exercise a lot of faith even though he did receive uh, some audible guidance. And so Abraham's uh, lot was not easy, right? He, he had a lot, he, he had some difficulty, uh, a lot of difficult choices to make. And he, he had to live by faith, um, just the same as we do, right? He just had to live by trust, but by trusting God. But also I see something really cool here. When I first read about, Abraham and chapter uh, 11 of Hebrews and just kind of how the new Testament talks about him. Is this the same guy? Cause some, one of the things, while I do admire Abraham, there are parts of his story that I'm like, he like multiple times was like, Oh yeah, she's not my wife. She's my sister. And he did these, he made these errors that had like big implications, like the whole, you know, Hagar and Ishmael and all this stuff that like had all these really painful consequences. And the thing that I see is that um, our God, the God of the Bible is, is the God of, of redemption. And so that just because we've made a mistake or an error or uh, made it, a, 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 we've sinned and, and we've made bad choices doesn't mean that we can't come back to God and have our lives be used for him. Mm. Um, and I, I feel that that's very clear and, and just kind of this section of talking about Abraham um, and how just can, you know, keep going on, keep, keep following God and more and more growing in your faith, setting aside your sins uh, and just following Christ. And he will do something uh, exciting with your life. I will echo that. He will definitely do something exciting with your life. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today on our 25th, on the 25th chapter of Genesis. We are about halfway, and it's this is just awesome. Super excited that we all get to do this together. Hope you have an amazing, incredible week. Talk very soon. Bye.